0: Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris. And in this gripping conclusion of Pulitzer Prize Fiction Books. Pulitzer. Pulitzer. <laughs> Pulitzer. It's hard to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that I got it wrong for so long that you guys started to believe me. So confidently and that, wrong. <laughs> and to help me are two high school English
2: teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Nick. My name is Joe Holshue. I brought a book last week uh, that won a Pulitzer Prize just co-winner in fiction. Back and I just sit relax. I'm just, just I, I I've, them, I've put my microphone in relaxed mode. My feet are up on the wow. desk. Um, Nick, I do have a question for you. Uh, how many Pulitzer Prize winners do you think we have read on this show? Good, uh, good We've question. done 150 plus episodes, something like that. Out of those 300 Countless. books that we've talked about over the years, yeah. Yep, three hundred ish books. Decades. How many book? How many Pulitzer Prize winners do you think we've read?
0: This is good. I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm extremely good at guessing things. Love it. But I can't. You should talk up your ability to guess a
2: lot yeah, more before yeah, you yeah, guess. Nick, okay. I'm ready yep. now. <laughs> <Tell> <laughs> <I> love <laughs> that,
0: Joe. How good you are I, at guessing. I am. I am open to this being some sort of reoccurring shtick. Uh, hmm. about how I can guess things. So feel free to ask anytime, Joe, I'm going to go ahead and mm-hmm. say, we, I think we've done a decent amount. I'm going to say seven. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you're good.
2: What's the so number? Nick, Joe? That's actually wild. Um, we have read, count them with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. The old man on the sea. We yes. talked about on an early episode of this show. We talked about to kill a mockingbird on this show. Hey. Ian brought a Confederacy of Dunces, I, I believe.
0: Did. Yeah, I did. We're yep. up to three lead heads.
2: Ian brought Beloved by Toni Morrison. Did. Yep. That is four. I brought The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Ooh. I also brought The Underground Railroad by uh, Colston yep. Whitehead. Annoying, huh? okay. Nick, what are we
0: at? Well, I just folded my pinky because I didn't want to mm-hmm. hold up a second hand. So that puts us at six.
2: So Nick, Six. your guess was seven. If you count last week's episode, I where do. we talked, yes, where we talked about the novel Trust, the 2023 Pulitzer Prize winner, we have currently talked about seven Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize winners. Nick, wow. that was an amazing He's guess. Good. He's uh, good. I'm not
0: kidding. It, just show me a jar of M&Ms. I'm going to kill it. You kill
1: kill it
2: Just guess how yeah, many number just there all,
1: are. Just, <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick,
2: I'm a high school English teacher. I didn't bring a book this week. I'm excited to hear about Ian's. I brought. Uh, I brought this list of Pulitzer Prize winners scribbled on an envelope. Good
1: deal. Um, <laughs> I can't, I'm not good at
0: reading, but I'm like the rain man when it comes to count.
1: Um, hello, Nick. <laughs> goodbye, Joe. Or should I say goodbye, Nick? Hello, Joe. This week, my name is Doctor Ian Young. Hello, hello. I am a doctor of mountains, and I brought, as I mentioned last week. Uh, one of the co co-win- winners of the 2023 Pulitzer Prize, Barbara King Solvers Demon Copperhead.
2: May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your
0: shoulders.
1: Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely enough, every author <laughs> was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>,
0: <laughs> I, I was just scrolling through the one-star reviews. And this one, it's great. It's a whole long thing, but it just starts out from Rachel. Spelled R-A-Y-C-H-E-L. Mm-hmm. I've okay. never seen that in my life. Yep. Cool. It cool. just at one you star. Do you do Rachel. I'm a bow out of this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's, Rachel, I feel you. I feel you because this is I'm this a, is a buildings. This here. is a buildings, Roman, but it is. A bu- this is a buildings, Roman our buildings go on horn. We love those. Um, You guys remember in the Two Towers movie where that guy blows the big horn and it's like a. Yeah. yeah. Joe has one of those in his room, but it only makes the air horn sound. Today,
0: your Hobbit fact is the piano music in the movie of the Lord of the Rings. Today, for your Hobbit fact that I bring every week is that the Shire music is the inverted song of the uh, angry orc music. Oh, that's really good.
2: That's, That's cool. really good. Just going to show you that
1: hobbits are not that different from orcs and, and sneaky. About it. <laughs> or or, or that they're the hobbits. exact opposite of orcs. This is you, <laughs> you guys, know, you guys know the you guys know the joke about the the meats back on the menu, boys, right? That the, yes. that that famous line that the orc says suggests that um, there are restaurants in Middle Earth that right. have menus and that. Orcs go to those restaurants. Wow, it's like a bogo on <laughs> Hobbit facts
0: today. Ian, can you refresh our memory? What is your book about? Give us the yeah, 30 so, seconds one more time. So uh,
1: in my book, a boy is born to an unfortunate single mother. She's addicted to pills and to a dead dad. Now, this is the same beginning that, um, uh, that starts Charles Dickens' book, David Copperfield. Um, Barbara King Solver has updated it, and this update won the Pulitzer Prize in 2023. Her book is called *Demon Copperhead*. In this book, King Silver weaves a grim tale of counting with me: one, addiction; two, stagnation; three, shattered love; and four, crime in Appalachia. It's unputdownable for all the wrong reasons. And I would say to Rachel's point, um, I found it unputdownable, but I, I kind of wanted to put it down. If you follow Ooh, me, uh... it's because it's a downer, and it's like yeah. got it. It's like a. I'll talk about this in a bit, but like I think the Buildings Roman as a genre often has downer stuff in it. But it feels by nature a hopeful. A hopeful genre right in the Buildings Roman, Nick, as you remember, a a young person is born and then comes of age. And unless it's like told by a ghost. There's the promise that I'm going to come of age by the end of this book, like I will make it but in this book you're not sure whether he's gonna live like yes he's telling the story but his situation oh, no. our main character demon his real name is Damon, but everyone calls him demon because it sounds cooler um, it's really cool and it, it, it's not clear whether he's gonna live it's not clear whether like what his life will be like at the can end you, I'm sorry can you, can you spread more light on that what uh or or not without spoiling things things are things are bad man like he is born to a Um, kind of neglectful uh, drug addicted mom. There's drug addiction all over. Um, His mom ends up marrying an abusive guy who just beats the crap out of a demon. So you're
0: not sure if he's going to get out alive type of thing. Well,
1: yeah. And like there's, there's the thing, you know, sometimes stories are like looking back from my, from my million dollar mansion. I wonder how I survived the drugs, but this doesn't really have that kind of detail. It's like, yeah, he's telling the story. So sure. He probably lives, but what is he um, telling the story on death's door? Is he kind of miserable? Like do things work out for him? And there's such a sort of sense of, of depression and, and despair things like he keeps saying little that I know this is the best part of my life. And you're like, Oh no, uh <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> no, just a really bad thing. The, the rest <laughs> is bad. Um, So it, He's in a bad situation. and I think it might be worse. It feels worse because it is a fictional situation, which is recognizable. So this book is really focused on a couple of big problems, um, the opioid epidemic and institutional poverty and other things as well. But these are two of the big ones. So he lives in an area where everyone abuses drugs, including him, including kids like the few characters who don't, who aren't, who aren't addicts are like, very, very, very rare, few and far between. Um, and people treat kids really, really badly. So one of the he he kind of finds out he sort of susses out when he's 11 um, that he's working in a meth lab or by a meth lab for a meth lab. He's doing kind of like grunt work to um, to make the meth lab happen. Um, things are really bad. And because we can recommend rec- we can recognize like these are legitimate like these are dire straits that we know, the downer feels more of a downer.
0: Tell me about this author, because at brief glance, it looks like she there's a New York Times article. Are you going to talk about this? Um, I don't think I have a New York times article. Okay. What's her deal? Okay. The headline for the article, it seems like she is, um, she's going to be very welcome on this podcast. The headline of the article is an Appalachian elegy Hillbilly's not included. <laughs> and yeah. apparently she was really ripping on JD Vance. So <laughs> yeah.
2: Villain of the show. Yeah. I would say this is, this
1: is JD. This is an <laughs> anti hillbilly elegy. And I think I'll talk more about this in a, in a minute. Um, when I talk about morality, But her deal is she's really interesting. Um, No, I I, kind of wish like I kind of wish Joe had read this book because I think I think having read Hillbilly Elegy you would have a, a, a better insight on what she says here. But Joe, explain, explain the
0: issue with Hillbilly Elegy for the people who don't know how much we hate it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so so
2: for, for, so if you are not, uh, you don't know, lit completionists, um, Hillbilly Elegy <laughs> is a book that we talked about many years ago um, written by J.D. Vance, known charlatan and uh, liar um, about his life growing up in Appalachia. He talks about growing up in Appalachia. It's very bootstrappy, like he joins the U.S. Marines. He goes to Yale. Law school. He's now, I think, a politician in Ohio. I don't know if he's a successful politician in Ohio. Shorter version, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and,
2: and basically, like it's it's a narrative that stands up to very little scrutiny. Right. Um, as soon as you start poking the edges of
1: it, it, it collapses. He's kind of misrepresented some things about the culture, and also um, he he's presenting an idea. Yeah. He's presenting an idea that's kind of these people's fault mm-hmm. that they are. In this situation. So King Silver is born in rural Kentucky. She um, eventually, uh, as she uh, when she got older, uh, she moved back and she currently lives in rural Virginia. She's a very successful author. Um, yeah. I did not know how successful she was until I did this research. Every book that she's written since 1993, which is almost as long as I've been alive, has been a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, it's which good, good for her. Is kind of an incredible streak. Um, She doesn't really like being famous. She has a quote where she says, I never Wanted to be famous. I still don't. The universe rewarded me with what I dreaded most. Oh, God. Um, she, for a while, played in a charity benefit band that included Stephen King and Amy Tan and some other oh. people. Um, what she did Stephen writes, King play? Uh, I think oh, he played I, I know the this. washboard. Yeah, well, I don't think that's
2: actually true. Um, he, Stephen King actually writes about this band in his memoir on writing. Um, he he writes about it to some extent.
1: Right. I'm sure. What does he play? Uh, I
2: think guitar. That'd I don't remember. Guitar. He
1: looks like a guitar drum, guy.
2: He seems kind of like a drummer, too.
1: Yeah, I could also see him behind a drum set. Anyway, uh, she writes a whole bunch of different kinds of things. So she writes fiction. She's best known for her fiction. She wrote, writes journalism. She's written some history. Uh, she's done. She's like a published author in science writing. She's done like hard science writing. Um, she she did this project where she tried to eat local for an entire year and then wrote a book about it called Animal Vegetable Miracle. Um, <laughs> God, I'm hungry. And it, it, it sounds it sounds pretty good. Um, this is the this is she seems like a really cool but kind of badass person. And one of her big deals is she knows she grew up in this area, in this country. And I think while Vance might say that he well he he did, too. She doesn't like the looking down on. The hillbilly. She doesn't like looking down on these people. And it's weird because she says there's a lot of problems. There's a ton of problems. It's a huge downer. Mm -hmm. But it's not the individual people who should be the target of our wrath.
2: I have a quick Stephen King on update for you. Good, um, good. This, yeah, the name of the band is the Rock Bottom Remainders. It has included Dave Barry, Stephen King, Amy Tan, Sam uh, Barry, et cetera. Barbara King Solver is among them. Um, and Stephen King, it appears from this photo on Wikipedia, plays guitar. Although uh, it also appears as if like six of them play
1: guitar right. in this I mean, photo. <laughs> if you have several dozen well known authors, they're probably you're going to have a couple of guitarists, a couple of guitar players. And that raises the question do they play in unison? Do they mm-hmm. strums in synchronicity? Mm-hmm. Um, Look at
0: this! Look at these authors on stage. Oh, these photos are terrible. I'm gonna post them. Think they would play
1: a show for for um, like a live show with you don't know lit podcast? Yeah, com? let's all play music. You think we could? No. Do you think that we could like we could stream them? I think
0: all groups of people should form bands. Uh, scientists start a band. Mm-hmm. Teachers us, start a band, what's our, what's pod- our band. Podcasters podcast. start a band.
1: What's our band? The Butlers. <laughs> it's also our
0: band name it's also our book name
1: (laughs) (laughs) i want to talk briefly briefly about david copperfield um there is no not the magician Magician. (laughs) no 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 uh this this is one of the charles dickens said david copperfield is his favorite book it's partially Ah. autobiography um, it's it's one of these social commentaries. So Dickens did kind of soft, like light things like um Christmas Carol, where he's like, Here we should be more joyful on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then he did these kind of biting social satires where he just represents the terrible aspects of Victorian culture and says, Look how terrible this is. This is one of the latter. Um, he's kind of doing a sort of literary activism, he's calling out injustice, he's saying, Let me represent. The dreadful state of just the world, of things in general. Um, So King Solver takes this novel, which is old, mm-hmm. which is perhaps, to use a, a term that kids use these days, perhaps not very relatable. Mm. And she takes the skeleton of the novel and sets it in southern Virginia, rural Virginia. This sort Did of... Goal. Yeah, it's blatant plagiarism. Uh, (laughs) You can just call that stealing, Ian. There is a moment in the novel. There is a moment in the novel, and this is like. I almost I almost wanted to save this for Tiffany's. It's a little bit cringeworthy where our main character is like reading literature and he's like, and then there's Charles Dickens guy. <laughs> oh, that's like, pretty crazy silver. You don't need to do that. You don't like we, we get cringy. it, Barbara. Yeah. We don't we don't need you to. <clears throat> yeah. Um,
0: so stick to rock and roll, Barbara. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you don't need to know David Copperfield to understand this book. I read it a long time ago. Um, it's kind of trippy reading this book because she she models characters off of. But does mm, it make it better? It's got to make it more it does. interesting. I right? would say it, it yeah. adds an extra layer and it, and it kind of like lets you compare what Dickens was doing to what King Solver is doing. That being said, you do not have to know David Copperfield right. to get this book. Like this book stands perfectly fine on its mm-hmm. own. This is a novel of morality. So David Copperfield is all about social ills, or we might say to use the language of morality sins. Um, Dickens has this really strong moral voice. He says, this is right. This is wrong. And in his world, you know, the caricatures of Victorian London. Uh, Victorian England, there's a lot more wrong than there is right. The weird thing is we don't see this kind of mode much in fiction anymore. Yeah. Everything's complex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where an author says, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the world and I'm gonna say, using fiction, I'm gonna use fiction to point out social sins. I think it's a lot maybe it's a lot easier to use nonfiction to point out social sins. So like Here's and here's my nonfiction book about how we're destroying these forests or how how, you know, Amazon is terrible. But using a fictional story to to, to represent this, I feel my sense is this is less common. So. Um, King Solver's novel feels kind of old fashioned. It feels kind of like a weird return to an era when you affected change as a writer, not by doing investigative journalism, right. but by parable. By tricking people into feeling things, secret learning, it, baby, secret learning. Yeah, it's like right. I'm going
2: to put these characters in a situation. I'm going to make you feel a certain way, and only yep. after the fact are you going to be like, yep. "Oh, I it was supposed it was supposed to be it was us all along, guys. It's right. us all along.
1: I'm the problem. It's me, Taylor yeah. Swift. Taylor Swift. Moralizing. I think not having read J D Vance, moralizing is J D Vance. Moralizing says, "Look at these losers. Look uh-huh. at them." They love Walmart. Mm-hmm. They love their Schmucks. Confederate flags. Schmucks. They drink a lot of alcohol and then they abuse their kids. They're the worst, aren't mm-hmm. they? And you know, you dress it up, you make them lovable, you make them kind of goofy. But in the end, moralizing says these individuals are bad and we mm-hmm. should dislike their, them for their badness. The novel of morality is different. The novel of morality says the situation is bad it acknowledges that the people are making mistakes and sometimes there are just dreadful humans. The guy who runs the meth lab is a dreadful human a bad guy. Um, and then it, the novel of morality says, here's why here's, here's the, the reason here's the source of these bad decisions. It explains those bad decisions. It doesn't absolve them. It says, yeah, like this person was abused here. That's why they're, they're doing drugs. Should they be doing like constantly doing drugs and getting themselves high to get uh, get like through their problems? no, But there's a reason they're not just doing it because they're bummed. And it directs the fury at the larger trends that produce these individuals. Whereas moralizing says these losers, let's be angry at these losers, specifically them. Mm -hmm. The novel of morality says the world that produced them is to blame. Is that the
0: point of the book is just kind of like, hey, don't be don't be a dick towards the unfortunate. (laughs) It sounds like it gives a pretty complex understanding
2: of things. I, my, so my, my building principal said something once that I thought was really interesting and really insightful. She said that when you don't have a plan, right? Like when you're trying to do something and you don't have a plan and something goes wrong, the individual gets blamed. When you have a plan and something goes wrong, the plan gets blamed, right yeah, like, I like it like it's it's really good and i think it's kind of true and i think what you're talking about is jd vance here is blaming the individual you yep. are a hillbilly you are poor you are stupid because you have personal failings barbara king solver is saying there's a system here that's at fault and let me like right. put, let me let me peel back the layers and show you the system and let's blame that
1: yeah i think i think the point is good. humanizing so so our main character, um, he's he's a teenage boy. Um, he's never had sex. And when he has sex for the first time, you know, like it's fictionally. Awesome. Right? <laughs> well, but that the trope is right. The trope is that it's it's awesome. But the person he's with his his girlfriend, who he kind of adores and idolizes. She keeps talking about her first time, first time. Mm-hmm. And then she pulls out the gear for fentanyl. And she's like, let's shoot up before we do this. Oh, my, oh, it's my it's imagine? a really. It's a really. And he says, <laughs> I don't remember my first time. Like, I, I generally remember it was it was fine. Like, I mm-hmm. felt good. But so she's like not saying this is good. These are good behaviors. Here's a healthy behaviors. But she's also saying she's also she's also saying these are not people who are just self-interested, lazy kind of pleasure seeking bums. They've been brought or forced to this.
0: Well, she's it seems like she has a really strong point of view, like what's her What's her motivation for writing this book? Do you know what part I mean? of it?
1: Part of it is that thing that I said. That like she, she grew up. She knows these people, and she She's feels like to write about her life a little. She feels like this culture is wildly misunderstood. She has yeah. again, yeah, kind of on the nose. She has characters talking about you. You know, when you watch TV and there's hillbillies on TV, they're always the butt of the joke. I yeah. don't like that. Me, a hillbilly, doesn't like that. And this is King solver. Like this is King solver saying, "Hey, stop, stop." You know, culture should stop making fun of our people. Um, there's bravery. There's generosity. There's kindness and beauty, as well as you know all the horrible things as well that we know. So I think that's part of it. Um, I I also think that she is really, really. She she talks about literature um, as a as a means of social activism, and she thinks things are bad. And she has the skill to change the world through her words. And so this is pointing out. Problems, so because knowledge is power. Um, she has uh, again a whole scene where this intelligent uh, one of my favorite parts of the book, a really intelligent, cool teacher enlightens his students yeah, about so, the so realities of the too. world. Yeah, he sits backwards on his chair. The teacher's like, "Hey guys, him. why do you think things are so bad here? Why are there so many army recruiters outside? Um, why don't we have any industry? Why does it take so much to get a job?" The kids are like, "I don't know." um is it because of welfare? And he's like, no. He says, here's the deal. When the coal companies, when the coal, when the mining companies were here for coal, they blocked other industries, mills, factories from mm-hmm. moving into this area. They did provide work and that was good. But they also provided dangerous conditions, people dying from black lung, and asbestos and things. When the coal left, when the coal mines closed, there was nothing left. And so all people can do is deal drugs on the side because the place has been kind of stripped bare and there's nothing left in its wake. And this teacher is like, that's the reason. That's why we have Walmarts and why we have drugs and why we have army recruiters." Well,
2: and I always think one of the powers of fiction this is something i'm sure we've talked about before but i always think there's a difference between knowing something in your head and like knowing something in your gut and in your heart and And i think like you could you know we can talk about walmart we could talk about fentanyl we can talk about you know appalachia and coal mines and all this stuff and like intellectually you can understand it but when you read a fictional book right like like barbara king solver has done here like charles dickens had done many times when you read this book and you experience that morality you Feel the feelings that yep. these characters have. You yep. feel the despair, the dread, the hopelessness, whatever. And you internalize that. All of a sudden, that truth hits you totally differently. Yeah. Right. Like it's a totally different understanding of that truth that you had intellectualized, but now you got it in your heart or in your gut.
1: I mean, I so I can I can speak directly to this. I um I know I knew I I know about the opioid epidemic. Um, I am sort of in the abstract. I have been morally outraged by it. Um, but I wasn't disgusted by it until I read this book. Have you seen Dope Sick? It's a
0: TV show. I've it's heard kind of it. No. Yeah, it's about the opioid epidemic back okay. in the day and how uh, big pharma and uh, it's it's about like, I don't know if it's about uh, if they're in like Appalachia, but it is about okay. like kind of that area, okay. how it starts yeah. in a small town and, and that right. grows. Right. Yeah. So if
1: you don't want to read, <laughs> well, <there you> go, <laughs> that it be. I want to cl- I want to close with a tweet. Um, it's a little bit, <laughs> Very a little bit, unconventional, a little bit goofy, but right, wrap um, it up. We got, I got it. Yeah, go. this is, this is, this is all I have to say. Novels are. This is from at Gabby Moss. Sorry, at Gabby Moss on Twitter. Novels are so great. Novels are like, I made up a little weirdo. Oh no, now he's in trouble. <laughs>
0: Uh, Mm. Welcome to Tiffany's gentlemen. A Safe Place, for you to tell me all the terrible things about your book without it being held against you. Um, Joe, I don't remember what your book was about, but is there anything you didn't like about it? Yeah.
2: So as you remember from last week, or as you don't remember from last week, Nick, uh, my book was about like this Wall Street tycoon and how he came to prominence, and it was told from these four different points of view. You actually asked me a question last week that I think got towards the heart of any uneasiness that I had about this book, which was... When this book was at its best, it made me feel really smart and really rewarded me for being a, a, a careful reader. I feel like I missed Tiffany's. I missed so much. And ultimately reading this book, my feeling, even though I think I have like, glimpsed the truth in it, I mostly feel like I ended up not you totally probably just missed it. a I, large. I, I swath of Yeah. yeah I, I don't get
0: it. I, I <laughs> do not I don't know what happened. I don't really I didn't understand uh, my book. All right. That's your re- is- I didn't
1: understand his book. Ian, what's your thing? Um I understood too much. Okay. <laughs> it's, hard, <laughs> it's, too it's real. hard to read. It got real it's hard to read about kids getting addicted to drugs. Uh-huh. david copperfield is hard. This the book magician. is hard. Yeah. I think it's useful. I think it, it makes me a better person. It's true. It is all true. It's, it's very nasty. Sometimes I d- there's I did not... too
0: much truth. Um, so Ian, you lose mm, Joe, too much oh. truth. Your premise of your book sounds fascinating to me, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's not the first book to do it, even close. But um, I think it's really interesting, and it's uh, so there. And Ian, mm-hmm. um, I watched Sick. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so like, you, and you that is a know. really good show. It's on streaming on Hulu. Lit heads. Um, this week brought I, to you by Netflix. Can I tell you mm-hmm. something though, Ian? I wish you would. I watch like the first two episodes. I'm like, "Ah, I got to put this down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's it's stressful. It was like a year before I got back to it because I felt the same way. It's just like, I can't. These are, these stories are so sad.
1: Yeah. Like they are just
0: so profoundly sad. And the show like does this vignette thing where it's kind of like, here's a, here's the typical like young girl who gets uh, uh, addicted. Here is the, here is the whatever who gets, you know, and you see all these like, brutal you know are real people you Um, know what i mean like it's fiction but they're they're real
2: um, well, I don't have another quote to read from my book, so I'm going to take a second here and I'm just going to congratulate myself. I'm going to congratulate Hernan Diaz, but I'm also just going to tell the Litheads what to do. <laughs> um, lit heads, we love you very much. If you want to recommend a book, if you want to recommend a theme, head on over to you don't know litpodcast.com. And there's buttons to do both of those things. You can, of course, always like and subscribe, um, rate us on a podcast player of your choice. Um, I hear iTunes is a good one. I personally use Pocket Cast, but it, it's totally Pocket up Cast. to you. Yeah. interesting cast. And, and finally, um, the number one thing you can do for the show is to tell a bookish friend about it. Um, You know, one of the heartbreaking things of my book is, is that I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Who had also read that book. So tell bookish friends, tell them about the book, trust.
0: Make a friend. I just, I
2: need friends. Congratulations. um, Barbara Kingsolver for writing yet another banger. Congratulations. Hernan Diaz for uh, winning a Pulitzer. By the way, Hernan Diaz wrote two books in his life, both. Both nominated for Pulitzers one of them won wow that's amazing Keep that's rolling. a good bad, I
0: reckon Ian read a quote now you you are going to read a quote remember though you lost so this is not internalize a quote.
1: this is a, a failure this is a defeat read quote. a failure quote. quote so I've told you about how King Solver is kind of you know anti the, the anti-vance um she's she doesn't like this laughing hillbillies thing or her main her main character Damon Demon. Um, has these little asides and here's one of them or he's, he's riffing on he says there's this thing that happens let's say at school where a bunch of guys are in the bathroom at the urinal laughing about some dork that made an idiot of himself in the gym you're all basically nice guys right you know right from wrong and would not in a million years be brutal the poor guy's face and then it happens the dork was in the toilet comes out of the stall with this look he heard everything and you realize that you're not really that nice of a guy. This is what I would say if I could to all smart people of the world with their dumb hillbilly jokes. We are right here in the stall. We can actually hear you.